Assalamu alaikum everyone. So today's episode is going to be the five daily prayers and how you master them. This is an episode that I have been getting so much on and I tried to film this quite a few times for y'all but I just ended up disappointed. I did not like the way that it went. Like I filmed segments and I was like yeah no I just don't like it right and so this is something that I've been like thinking about in my brain in the back of my brain and I've been like I gotta talk about it because like you know I talk about everything except that and I, I should talk about it and I mention it but I haven't ever made a whole episode dedicated to it and this is one of those things that literally blows up my gms so we're gonna be talking about mastering your five prayers how you can literally own the game and how you will not ever miss a prayer again inshallah the mindset switch and everything else so let's start off with why do people not pray where do we fall short easy dunya you can't tell me likewise. Is this it? You fall short. Why? You have work. You have a job. You have, you know, something coming up. You have an event. You have school. You have so much homework. You're starting to become something else. And, you know, it's just way too much work. And then you miss your prayers, right? And it's simple as that. It's always, it's always something among those lines where everyone has something that goes on in their life that makes it hard for them to pray. Yes or no? Yes. Around the entire world, me and you have seen the people. We all have something. We all have a reason. We all have something. And that's what I'm saying. When it comes down to prayers and when it comes down to the world's responsibilities, your responsibilities are not going to finish. Let me start off with that. Your responsibilities in this world are never going to finish. You are forever going to have something to do. You're forever going to have something to work towards. You're forever going to have a seven-page paper to write. By the way, I do have one to write. You're forever going to have something to do in life. You're forever going to have something that you are expecting working towards. So when all of these things in your lifestyle are here to consume you, you know, how do you make time for prayer? Well, my question comes down to how, who allows you to do the things that you do? It's it's really that simple. And I, I know that you guys have heard those things before too. Because the question comes down to who allows you to pray? Who allows you to set up that routine? Who allows you to get into that habit? God does, right? And whatever you're doing, whether you're working, you know, exercising, going out, doing homework, writing your papers, it is God that has allowed you the time to do those things. People think that if I pray, I'm wasting time. Well, if you, I, I, I'm really, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm speaking from my experience and so many other people's experiences. When you adapt prayer in your life, your life becomes so much more productive because God gives so much barakah to your time. So the way that you organize yourself, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you go about, you know, doing your homework, doing whatever, you'll notice that it might not be 100% easy, but there is so much barakah in the workload and whatnot that goes on when you adapt prayer because when you make time for God, God makes it easier for you. When you are going through absolutely everything and you have every reason not to pray, you find that one reason that one reason being the fact that prayer is the most important thing ever. After prayer, you know, prayer is the branch. After that comes everything. Well, you know, prayer is the thing that it's, it's a pillar. It's one of the things you're going to get asked about. It's one of the things that will literally, you know, rescue you. One of the things that will rescue you in the day of judgment. It, it plays a very big role in everything that you do, right? So prayer is the big tree and there's so many things that come around and with prayer and the virtues and the benefits. And so it's like, this is your goal. You know what I'm saying? So many people are caught up in, I want to be successful, I want to be successful, I want to be successful. But the Azan tells you to come to prayer. This is where success is originated. This is where success comes from. Where are you going to get success from, except from God? Your success only comes from Allah lose the entitlement, I'm telling you right now. There is nothing in this world that you have achieved, that you did on your own, that you accounted to on your own, without the, without the help of God. I can tell you that for a fact. Nothing. 
you have done your hard work i guarantee that and hard work and putting in the effort matters a lot but it is entitlement to sit there and think i did all of this on my own i'm so smart i'm so brilliant no god has allowed you to achieve your goals you could have been the most brilliant person in the room achieve everything do everything great pass everything do whatever must be done and be the top tier and be the best and still fail you know why because god has willed that for you so if you are sitting here succeeding in life succeeding in everything do not ever get the sense of entitlement that it's you that gained those things that it is you that got yourself to that position because while you did work hard and while you you know put in the fort of the work it is god that brought the result it is god that made things that come forth okay so i'm a firm believer in that i'm a firm firm i'm a firm firm faith believer in that anything i get any success that i have whether it's through podcast or in school whatever i may get i try to put in my work but it is god that ultimately blesses me with results now so many of y'all are so caught up in I have school, I have school, I have uni, I have prayer, I have this, I have that. And I'm just so busy that it just seems like I can't make a balance. So I'm going to kick out the one thing that I feel like doesn't have an immediate consequence. What is that? Religion. People shove religion to the side. They don't pray anymore. They start skipping their prayers. They start, you know, skipping their daily Quran reading. Why? Well, because they feel like it doesn't have an immediate consequence. You feel like your schoolwork, your job, whatnot has an immediate consequence because if you skip an assignment, you get a zero. If you don't pop up to work that day, your salary gets deducted. And stuff like that starts building up. So it's an immediate consequence. What a lot of people don't realize is when you skip your prayer, the immediate consequence is right smack in front of you. You start to get so consumed in wanting your life to be perfect and wanting to create a balance in this life when that's just not possible. It's not always going to be easy to create a balance in this life and to live an absolute perfect, smooth life. That is your immediate consequence. You know what happens when someone sits there and they start to think, I'm going to build myself the most perfect life? They go absolutely psychotic. You know why? Because it's not possible. If this life was meant to be perfect in any way, shape, or form, I promise you that this would not be earth. I promise you that we would be in China right now. Which is exactly why when sheikhs and imams and, you know, just scholars in general, you know, I respect those people immensely because the knowledge and the work and whatnot that they have to put on their community leaders, adults parents even teens when i see anybody say that things like anxiety depression sadness you know fear and stress is not real if you have faith it shocks me because then you're saying that i'm essentially living in heaven what is one of the things that we're all excited for in heaven the fact that me and you are never going to get heartbroken we're never going to get depressed we're never going to have fear we're never going to have to deal with trauma we're going to be free from those right if me and you never had these things exist, exist on earth first of all there's a lot of problems with that statement already if depression anxiety sadness and stress didn't exist right and we're saying that it's a false imaginative thing and you're lacking faith if you have that let's address prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him who went through so many things so many things and you know some people even say that there was a year of sorrow what is it, what does that correlate to? What what does sorrow mean? Right? That comes back to the same definition of what I mentioned earlier. Because seriously, let's define sorrow. What does sorrow mean? Type of sadness, a type of despair, type of like empty feeling. Like there's so many things that we can say to describe sorrow. So it's not that those emotions aren't real. Because if the prophet, peace be upon him, went through it, then I can assure you that they are. And then you know, there's so many other circumstances in life where, you know, they're they're situations where the prophets peace be upon them were put in such scary you know stressful situations which i can't speak on how they felt of course peace be upon all of them i love you please with all of them i can't i can't speak on how they felt right but you can tell that in those you know the hardest situations they were in whether it was you know having this see split for them having you know an army behind them getting ready to kill them or having to run away as a fugitive under the law like whatever it may be having all of these things right it's not easy it's not easy they had harder lives than all of us and they were still praying they were still doing whatever they needed to do 
So it's strange to me when we sit here and say things like, oh, you know, sorrow's not real. It's not real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just have a lack of faith. No, that's not true, right? And so what happens is when you try to sit here and you devote your life to creating this perfect balanced life where you're making six figures, you're really smart, you're taking care of your family, and now this has become your perception. I want to live a perfect life. I want a perfect life. What happens when you want to live a perfect life? You start to become so consumed into the world that you will do anything and everything to fit into the standards, expectations, wants, and needs to fulfill that lifestyle because you want it perfect and that's the thing in this world you're never going to get it perfect but when you become so consumed on that you become hyper fixed and you don't even realize it it starts off with one prayer you see no consequence you say oh okay it's okay it's okay I, nothing happened god didn't you know punish me it's okay he'll forgive me uh, let me continue doing this that is your punishment right there and you just didn't notice it sometimes your punishment of prayer is the fact that god doesn't ever call you back I'm no one to, you know, say on how Allah guides and judges people. But look, when God is upset with you, what would he take from you? First and foremost, majority of the time, right? We cannot decide for a fact, but a lot of the, you know, popular quotes and whatnot, if you read them, it says prayer. When God's upset with you. He usually takes away your prayers, right? Because look at this world. What do, what does everyone have? It doesn't matter whether you're a disbeliever or a believer. So many disbelievers are living in mansions, castles, literally, are stupid rich and are stupid famous, are living the best life, have amazing health. They're disbelievers. And they literally sit there and they talk down on Islam. They talk down on religion. They talk down on God. Or, you know, they're doing Lord knows what. And they're disbelievers and they have it all. So clearly it shows that God doesn't care. God doesn't care about this world. God does not care about what ha who has what and whatever giving these things out. Because the world is just so little and it's just so small that these desires, these, you know, the expensive handbags and expensive outfits and the big houses, it's it doesn't mean anything to him. But what does he give Muslims? What does he give believer prayer? He gives us prayer. And no one else has that. No one else has that. And so when the one thing that, you know, is the special factor about you, is the valuable thing about you as a Muslim, what happens when you start to neglect that thing? You become like everyone else. You start to chase things like everyone else. You become, you know, so caught up in the delusion of this world like everyone else. So where do you end up? Like everyone else. You know, and then that's, that's how it happens. People think, well, I didn't see a consequence. I didn't pray. So, you know, I felt lazy. I didn't pray on my five prayers yesterday and I didn't pray them today. And then it's been a year and it's accumulating and I haven't prayed them and nothing happened to me. I'm living amazing. You should be scared because maybe God is giving you this world instead of the next. And I can promise you, you do not want this world over the next. There's this quote. I say it all the time. I live by this quote. Sell the next. I'm sorry. Sell this life for the next. You win both. Sell the next life for this life and you lose both. And if you get it, you get it. If you sell this life for the next, you will win both every single time because you are letting go of your desires, you're letting go of your needs and wants and whatever, and God will bless you in this world, inshallah, and in the next. Now, when you sell the next life, your afterlife, your jannah, your home, for this life, you're going to lose both because you're going to die here anyway. You're going to lose this and you're going to lose that. So you are in a circumstance where you're going to take an L regardless. This is how people sell themselves short. When you see that one time I missed a prayer, two times I missed a prayer, three times I missed a prayer, well, I didn't see a consequence. Maybe the fact that you are missing your prayers and not realizing that it's such a big deal is your consequence. People like immediate consequences to be the reason that holds them accountable. 
in any way, shape, or form. It is immediate consequences that holds people accountable. When you fail a class, you automatically get a zero that affects you. When you skip a day at work, it automatically takes money out of your salary. That's an immediate consequence. But when you skip your prayer, you don't see an immediate consequence. So you instantly think, oh, well, you know, I can do it again. I can do it again. God's not mad. I can do it again. And that is your consequence. The fact that you do not realize how severe that situation is. The fact that you do not realize that now you are so consumed in fulfilling and avoiding the immediate consequences of this world that you are preparing a big list of ahead of you. A big list of consequences that are to come. And I'm not saying this to be harsh, to be judgmental, to be mean, whatever. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you as it is. There is a beautiful, beautiful hadith which completely ties in what I just talked about, which is number 216. It was um, Anas ibn Malik, reported that the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, the first thing you will lose in your religion is trust, and the final thing you will lose is prayer. Does that not sound familiar? You lost the trust. You saw that there was no consequence. You saw that you weren't being held accountable. You saw that nothing went wrong. So slowly but surely you were like, mm, well, maybe God's, you know, maybe God's lying about all those punishments, about all those things. Maybe he's not that severe on me. Maybe he has lots of, you know, rahmah on me. And I mean, you know, clearly if nothing bad has happened, you know, inevitably, like physically and whatnot, then obviously, yes. But the question is, don't you think that slowly but surely you're losing trust? And what matters, trust is more than just, you know, believing and, you know, I guess you could say having firm faith in something. It's also about the way that you act. Because when you trust someone and you trust something, you put the actions forth to prove it. And slowly, when you let go of your prayer, you let go of the trust. And then the bond breaks. And the final thing you end up losing is prayer. Because when you see that it, it just doesn't work out, you see that, okay, you know, even if you are praying, Sometimes you even are praying and you feel nothing. You feel empty. You feel, you know, a lack of um, connection with God. You know, it's like maybe you lost your trust. Did you ever think about that? The fact that you're so caught up in routine life, in routine worship, that you forgot trust worship. The concept of trusting God, the concept of trusting the faith and trusting, you know, that inshallah God will bless you with goodness, the trust that goes into creating faith. Perhaps you are praying. Perhaps you are working on your deen. But perhaps you've done it all out of routine. That it's not intentional. And you've forgotten what and why you're doing what you do. And perhaps one of the reasons why we don't pray is because unfortunately, we aren't taught what prayer could do for you. You know, we are always told if you don't pray, you go to hell. But prayer is one of the most greatest gifts that God has blessed you with. And I talked about this in one of my very, very old episodes where, you know, some people after research have said that you should be doing meditation. I think you guys all know about it. You guys have all heard about that meditation. And some people say that you should be taking out multiple times in a day to do quick, quick meditation sessions to help your brain. And that sounds a lot like prayer because in prayer, not only are we devoting and, you know, worshiping God because he's told us to and it's an obligation and whatnot, you are taking time away from everything that, you know, matters to you in this world to, you know, isolate yourself and be alone in a room and sit there and pray and ask God for, you know, forgiveness and repentance and 
to be in a state of vulnerableness without having anyone judge you and stare at you or talk about you how valuable is it to sit there and talk to you know god who will never ever judge you for the decisions and things that you do but will instead love you for each and every single one of them and bless you with mercy every single time you ask for forgiveness there's lots of reasons why we pray, right? As a mean of self-purification, spirituality. Of course, Allah has obligated us, it's a pillar, to spend time in the remembrance of Him to prevent you from wrongdoing. It's a source of our strength and our patience for bringing peace and tranquility to your life to distinguish between, you know, you and other people of faith. You do not know anyone else of faith, of any other, you know, Abrahamic or just outside religion that prays five times a day right as muslims we do as a mean for erasing your sins and seeking forgiveness and of course to develop good character and discipline and accountability praying five times a day coming in front of your lord five times a day having the most important meeting of your life five times a day with the one that controls those that you seek to impress how many times have you sought here thinking i need to impress myself i need to get super ready so i can impress this person and get the job yet the one that will the one that will for sure you know be the pathway to your success, which is God, because he's the one that controls everything. You neglect him. You ignore him. You ignore the prayer. You ignore what you're supposed to be doing. And there's so much more that goes into all that concept. And the question comes down to, when you die, how much of those things will stay? Honestly, nothing will, besides your prayers and the good deeds and what you did religiously. So if you are neglecting your prayer and you're letting go of everything, it's like a bed for you. It's kind of like a trampoline. Every time you fall, you have something that you bounce back on. And that is your prayers. They're there to catch you. They're there to help you, you know, from rock bottom. They're there to be there even when you get to the highest level of yourself. Even when you're the most successful, most rich, most pious. They are there. Prayer is the one thing that us as Muslims have all been given. Prayer doesn't have a status. You know what I'm saying? From the most knowledgeable people who are scholars to the most sinners that we all, you know, we all are sinners in one way, shape, or form, to the sinners that, you know, have never prayed in maybe 17 years and they're trying again today, from the people that are, again, you know, imams who lead prayer, who do these things, to someone who has never even prayed a day in their life, there is no concept of status within prayer. Me and you, we just pray. We pray. No one thinks to themselves, oh, their prayer is probably better because they're this, there's that. No. Because we know that prayer is rooted with an intention. So many people think that, you know, the prayer of those that are pious is so much more better than those that are sinful. And we can't make that judgment. It's obviously God that does that, right? But remember that while you may sit there and, you know, downgrade and make fun of those that are sinful and pray, you never know if God finds their prayer a lot more beautiful than yours. Because your prayer may have been filled with arrogance, while the sinner, their prayer is filled with sincerity. Because they know what they did, they're owning up to it, and they're seeking the help for it. So let's start off with routines and plans. I want you to start off with at least a prayer, you know? Inevitably, you should be doing all five. Yes, we know that. But one, two, three, four, you know, like starting off is better than none, right? And it's going to start off like this. I'm going to tell you some rewards of prayer and I want you to write these down and I want you to hang these up on your wall and every single time that you think that you know the grade the class the school the job your lifestyle your family is more important I want you to look at this list of rewards and ask yourself is my reward on this earth going to be something that benefits me in the ahira? is that happiness that I'm chasing that I'm you know 
getting so deep in going to even be there for me when I fall? Are the people that I'm sacrificing my dean for even going to be there for me when I don't have anything? Why and what matters to me the most? Let these rewards and let these, you know, hadiths that I'm about to share with you be the thing that helps you. So it was in Sahih Muslim in 488 where the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, You must perform many prostrations to Allah, but you do not prostrate to Allah, but that Allah will raise you one degree for it and erase one sin for it. Every single time, prostration raises a degree and it erases your sin. Sometimes I sit here in life, and if you want me to be honest with you, I've had lots of moments in my life where I sit there and I think, I need to repent. And I need to find the best way to do it. I need to do something so extravagant and big so God can forgive me. Because my sin was so extravagant and big. And then I remember that as Muslims, we don't need to, you know, go to a church. We don't need to tell a pastor our sins. We do not need to, you know, do crazy things. Sometimes all we need to do is open up the prayer mat and just sit there and make dua and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it just takes a heartfelt conversation to change the way that a relationship is made. And that relationship with God requires lots of conversations because the relationship with God is always a relationship where there is one side that is at fault, and that's us. Me and you always are fluctuating in and out of the relationship with God, but God has never left that relationship. No matter what happens, we leave. We always leave. We always stutter. We leave. We're about to leave, or we join again. And it's like we're always, we are the inconsistent ones. God has never been inconsistent towards us, right? You get caught up in the dunya. You got married. You're so invested with your family. And you forgot, I have to pray. You are the one that, that leaves. Sometimes you don't talk to God for years. You're upset at him. You're mad at him. But God's never mad at you. God is never mad at you. And where do we usually find God's love? Well, I want you to think about the one thing that, you know, we recite so many times in one day. Surah Fatiha starts off. With, you know, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, where we say, you know, in the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful, you know, there's some different translations, but it's regarding God's mercy, right? And you do not show mercy to those you don't love, right? Let's talk about that. If you did me wrong, and I hate you, and I have the worst enmity against you, and I think that you're the worst person, I'm not going to show you mercy, right? Now, of course, that's not the way that a Muslim should act, but you do not show mercy to those that you hate, or to those that you have given up on or to those that you think are failures or useless or worthless you don't show mercy to those people right you show mercy to those that you see faith in, that you see goodness in, that you love and those that you you know see a better future in right which is why one of the reasons when we do you know ask god for forgiveness and we do constantly you know we repent we repent we repent sometimes people get so caught up as to why is god even forgiving me again i messed up again well because god is merciful God has never been like us, like us human beings who, you know, mess up one time and then we cut off the whole connection as a whole, the whole tree. We're like, I'm done talking to you. God is not like that. God has always been merciful and you are merciful to those that you love. So if you are ever in doubt of whether God loves you, let's start off with Fatiha that you are supposed to be reciting every day and so in your prayers so many times. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful, right? So I can assure you that mercy is a very, very big form of love. And it's a very, very big form of generosity from God. Now, regardless of whatever you have heard about prayer growing up, whether it is, you know, you have to pray or else you're going to go to hell, you have to pray or else I'm not going to talk to you. You know, there's some parents that don't tell you why. But in this beautiful hadith, where the messenger of Allah, peace and blessing be upon him, 
He came out while they were praying, and they were raising their voices in recitation. The prophet said, peace be upon him, Verily the one in prayer is in a private conversation with his Lord, so let one look at how you converse with him. Do not raise your voices above each other with the Quran. Let that sink in. Instantly, we're being told that prayer is a private conversation with God. And now growing up, you might have not heard that. You might have been told that you need to pray or you're hellbound. You need to pray or you're the worst human being in the world. But it's not that God is, you know, so it's sad that we have this. But like even in the media where we have, um, you know, disbelievers, it's usually people that are not Muslim, portray Allah to be someone so vicious and Lord knows what. And that's clearly not the case. Our Lord is so merciful that he has blessed us five times a day to have a private conversation with him. Minimum. You want to talk to him more? Go ahead. You want to wake up late at night to talk to him? Go ahead. This is what it's about. Knowing that you have someone to go to, knowing that you have someone to talk to in life isn't always a guarantee, right? How many times have you hit up your phone and been like, hey, let's talk. I'm feeling sad. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of busy, but what's up? And it's just like they're, you know, their attention's undivided. It's not even... um towards you it's just scattered right i guess i should say it's divided not undivided but <laughs> um you know it they they can only do so much and even if they are giving you the undivided attention and they do help you then it's kind of like i just don't feel any different but then there's god who is so merciful that he has blessed you with a private conversation with him five times a day you do not need a fancy booking you do not need a fancy meeting you don't need to look all fancy you just do what do get clean and you go and you talk. And it's always been that simple. But the thing is, we view prayer as another duty, another thing on our list, another thing you have to check off. And it's normal. I think we've all done it. I do it too. Where it's just like, you know, you have to make sure you get it in. But let's start praying with more intention. And if you aren't praying already, let's start with intention. Because this is not about you doing something because you're going to be held down. This is about the fact that you have an opportunity to seek a private conversation with the one that owns everything it's more than just this earth the ahira you know the planets every single thing that exists that me and you know of and that things that me and you don't know of are under his control and me and you have the opportunity to talk to the one that controls everything minimum five times a day we could do even more if we wish i do want to preface one more thing by saying that while we are talking about the rewards and the greatness, we do need to acknowledge that there is a punishment for not praying. And you do have to take into account both ends of the spectrum, right? Unfortunately, some people have only grown up from hearing the you're going to go to hell spectrum. And then some people have only grown up hearing the reward spectrum. And while both spectrums are valuable, important, and good, what we don't take into account is that you need to create a balance between both ends because if you live in only the fear of Allah, right, without exploring about how loving and kind he is, you're forever going to feel like you are hellbound and it's torturous and like it's a compulsion. But when you realize the rewards of praying and the rewards of the goodness that comes out of it, it becomes a thing that you do out of love. Because you realize that I fear God, but I also love God immensely. And I know that this thing is good for me. You know, God has told us to pray because it's genuinely good for us. God knows what's good for us and what isn't. And so when we choose not to pray, we are immensely, you know, essentially really setting ourselves up for failure. Because when we choose to do something that's not good, what are we doing? Something that's bad. There's only two ends. And I like to be very honest. No reason to live in the gray area. It's either good or it's bad, right? 
or you're in between and you're waving towards it and you're eventually either going to fall off on the bad end if the influence hits you hard enough. So if you're not engaging in good, sometimes you end up engaging in bad. And majority of the time, you know, it's very rare to have someone who's in the middle, who's trespassing in the middle. Majority of the time, you're either on the end of the scale. And that is exactly why when God tells you something's good, you should inure in the fact that it's good and you should go forth with that. Another very big problem is some people genuinely don't pray, not because they're lazy, not because they don't know how, not because, you know, that's an intention, love or fear problem. It's because they feel like they're too sinful to pray or they feel like I haven't prayed in, you know, 20, 30 years and I just don't see myself doing it now. And I can understand that this is a very, very valid concern. This is a valid concern, especially in the Muslim community, because Reason being, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the kids that probably feel horrible and sinful and feel like they don't deserve to be praying, right? And that's a valid thing that happens, but it's not a reason to not pray, right? And I'm going to give you an idea right now. Imagine you are going to a fundraiser where they are giving out free things. You know for a fact that when you go to that fundraiser, you're not going to go come back empty-handed, right? Maybe they're giving out food. Maybe they're giving out iftari. Maybe they're giving out something, right? You know you're not going to come back empty-handed. Why? What's the initiative? To give, right? Now, what's this is what your prayer is like. Every single time you decide to get up and go pray, you know you're not going to come back empty-handed. Prayer will never leave you empty-handed. Sometimes we think that being empty-handed means having nothing. And sometimes we think being full-handed means having things. But sometimes the best thing that adds to your life is the thing that subtracts from it, which is your sins. In multiple cases, when you are praying, you know, like I said, the prostration, it takes, it raises your degree, forgives you for your sins. You know, going from the positions of prayer, sitting there with pure intention, making dua, all of these things are accumulating, 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 forgiving you for your sins. So you don't leave empty-handed. And when you sit there and you make dua and you ask Allah for whatever you wish, obviously the thing's not going to pop up in your hands in two seconds, right? But... You know that it, what you have wished and what you have asked for has gone up and Allah has heard it and Allah is well aware of it even before you even spoke of it. But you know that Allah has acknowledged it forever and always, whether it's in your heart or you say it verbally, you're not going to end up empty-handed. Whether it's, whether it's right now or later or whatever comes to be, whatever you ask Allah for, if even if you don't get in this world and it's good for you, inshallah, you know God will bless you with something even better in the ahirah. If it's good for you, right? You'll always get what's good for you. And prayer is very much the same. We were given prayer because it's good for us. It's not a bad thing. It's not a compulsion. It's, no, it's it's something you need to dive into love. Yes, there's punishments if you don't pray. Yes, that's true. And there's both ends of the scale. But you need to look at the scale and realize that that punishment in this discussion, yes, it's severe. We're not going to beat around the bush. It is. But so is the reward. You know, you want to stare at one side only. Oh, the punishments are so bad, so I'm not going to pray. But what about the rewards that are so good that make you want to pray? It's about a perspective. It's about a mindset switch. And now coming back to the discussion of your lifestyle, you may be so busy and caught up with so many things, but these things will eventually leave you empty-handed, as full as they may be on you right now, as busy as they may keep you, as distressed as they may keep you. These things will at one point leave you empty-handed after you die except the good deeds that you did except what you did spiritually for the sake of god those things are things that stay right so this isn't about you know i'm too busy i'm this i'm that 
sometimes you have to create the perception and ask yourself, what do you value? Do you value what you have right now that is going to leave? Or do you value the thing that will bless you in this ne- in this world and the next? Do you value what will bring you true happiness? Or do you value the happiness that is a delusion of the world? You have got to know where you stand on that. And you have to know your morals and you have to know your take on this. A lot of your perspective on prayer changes when you realize what prayer does for you. When you make it a consistent part of your life. When you realize that consistently praying, it's not just, you know, healing me. It's also rewarding me. It's also, you know, getting into the depths of me that I probably don't even know myself. And God is fixing me because of my pure intention, you know, inshallah, for prayer. You know, you. I bet so many of us, we don't make dua for it, but maybe deep down in our hearts, we want to be forgiven. For the sins that we committed that we didn't, that we made when we were naive, when we were dumb, when we were stupid. And, you know, we did things that we probably shouldn't have. You know, forgive yourself and know that God will, inshallah, also forgive you. Forgive yourself for not knowing better till you knew better. And realize that God will always forgive you as long as you're sincere about it. Because God is more merciful than your mother, right? So you have to acknowledge those things and love those things and love God the way that you wish he would love you. This is a relationship where no God never leaves it. It's always us. We fluctuate. We go in and out of the relationship. But God is always here to stay in this relationship. So learn to love God the way that you would learn to love, you know, whatever you hold the most dearest to your heart. Let it be God. Let it be faith and let it be Islam. Now, of course, we will never be able to love God, you know, 100% the way that he loves us, you know, because he's not human. He's not like us. He doesn't have attributes like us. He is very, very much exceedingly in everything that we do. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try in whatever human capacity you have, the limit that you have. Fill it up with the love of God and realize that prayer is not here to hurt you. It's here to literally be the dialogue that will rescue you here and in the hereafter. Prayer is a conversation with God. And you want to have this conversation often. Because on the day of judgment, you don't want to go there and realize that you had the conversation and you probably never even recognized who you were praying to or you never had the conversation. And now this is an introduction. The day of judgment should not be an introduction. And you don't want to get caught up in that wrath. May Allah protect us. I hope that this episode benefited you in some way, shape, or form by providing you perspectives and providing you some useful information. I hope that you enjoyed what I put out and hopefully, you know, this helps someone with their prayers. So, assalamualaikum. Now, of course, I do want to preface that we will never be able to 100% love God the way that he loves us. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have any humanly attributes to him. And of course, us being here and us being born and us having every single breath that we take is a sign of his mercy and love. And we will never be able to, you know, repay him for that. So that's that's evident. But we should obviously try within whatever human capacity that we have been given as individuals to, you know, make him the center of our life and make him the center of our faith. So what is the game plan and how do we master our five prayers now? Every single change that you make in your life starts off with a time frame and it comes with consistency and effort. And in this situation, if you are expecting change, it starts off with consistency and effort. Of course, at one point, you know, inshallah, your prayers will be easy for you where you won't even have to worry about you know what's going on in your day you know you have to pray but what you're going to do is for the next two months you're going to make a journal and you're going to sit there and write down every single day you do pray you don't pray and why list out your reasons slowly but surely you'll see your reasons are very mere 
I also want you to write down the rewards of praying. I want you to research how great is the reward of those that pray. And when you actually go out of your way to seek that knowledge, it makes it a lot more valuable to you because you realize what you are missing out on or what you are taking advantage of when you do pray. Dedicate the upcoming two months to make this your big priority. Our prayer should always be our priority. It always should be top number one. But if you're someone that has not prayed for the past, you know, years, you have got to take out time to, you know, severely just focus on this. Am I saying to sit here and wait till you're ready? No, because you're never going to be ready. Stop waiting till, you know, your school semester finishes to start in the summer. You're never going to be ready. You don't even know if you're going to live that long. You have to start today. Start today, every single day for the next two months. You have to force yourself to get up. If you don't pray zero prayers, you don't pray any, at least try to pray one and build and build and build and build from there. And you'll see those two months of consistency will become a part of your lifestyle, which will eventually help you to take those things out. Am I saying to do this only for two months? No, you need to continue doing this for the rest of your life till it becomes a habit, till it becomes something that you know you can't live without. But you really have to focus in on yourself and write down every single emotion, write down every excuse, at least for two months to understand why am I missing my prayers? What is so valuable to me? Take time these two months to really internalize your decisions, your choices, and your values. What do you put on the top of the scale? What do you find more important? Is it the fact that you have an immediate consequence of not doing your homework? Or is it the fact that you know prayer is the one is one of the most important things to exist? That is our duty and our purpose as Muslims and as humans. Write these things down. Explore it. Make a web. Understand your brain's concept and the way that you view and perceive things and break those negative cycles because some things are formed through culture and through lots of, you know, Lord knows what, whatever your experience may be. And you need to focus on faith, on Islam and what Islam tells you, the rewards that Islam tells you, the punishments that Islam tells you, not what you have heard from, you know, culture that may be false. You know, prayer is a dialogue and you do not want to go on the day of judgment and realize that Allah is someone you're having an introduction with. You do not want to have an introduction with God. Not on the day of judgment, you don't. You want to be familiar with him, you want to know him, and you want it to be like a reunion. You want it to be like a welcome, happiness, you know, a feeling in you that you feel like you finally made it actually home. You don't want this to be a panic meeting. You don't want this to be a meeting where you don't know who you're talking to. And prayer is one of the first things that gets you familiar with God. I hope this episode benefited you in some way, shape, or form. Jazakallah here for listening and assalamu alaikum.